It's the Luminaries with David Odyssey. This time we're breaking the simulation. It's the astrology of Marianne Williamson, your home. But first, thoughts on Black Widow, Loki, Summer of Soul, The White Lotus, Somatic Regeneration, Healing Trauma, and much, much more. You know the drill. Enjoy. Okay, listen, let me just start by saying that Jonathan Majors, for whom I would sell out any of my dearest family or friends uh, for a chance, uh, for just one night, you know, listen, I don't know what his karma is, but as we know, Lovecraft Country was not a good show. Um, He is now playing Kang the Conqueror. Um for Marvel and his acting on Loki was certainly some of the worst I've ever encountered. I just think that when men make choices with acting, it's never good for anyone unless it's literally like Willem Dafoe. Why is Willem Dafoe coming up a lot in my life lately? It's just like, Can you just talk like a person? Why do you... They all do this thing where they're like, this is my method. But it's like, okay, you're just jerking yourself off. Okay. um, I know. (laughs) Talk about me going on and on and on. Um, I will say, and trust me, you know, we have all heard my complaints about uh, Miss Scarlett Johansson. But I loved the Black Widow movie. I thought that uh, Florence obviously tore it. Uh, Rachel Weisz, don't get me started. Uh, David Harbour looks great. I I actually really enjoyed it. It was like a a real movie, I thought. Like it reminded me of going to see like an actual movie and not just something off of um, this like mass manipulation conveyor belt. Um, So I really loved it. And... You know, in terms of, like, action movies with women, I just thought it was, like, good because there were multiple women in it, which means that it didn't have to be this, like, weird... I don't know. I just thought Captain Marvel was so weird. It was so, like, neutered in this bizarre way uh, because it, like, couldn't be... It was about a woman, but it had to be about every woman, so then it was about no woman. This, I just thought, was, like... It was what it was. I want to say that something is going on, which is this. You know, from 2018 through 2026, the planet Uranus, planet of awakening, change, upheaval, Uranus, is in Taurus. First time it's been back there since uh, fall of since uh, the New Deal and FDR and the rise of say it with me Hitler, um, but Uranus in Taurus. If you think of Taurus as all about food, fertility, embodiment, nourishment, etc., having Uranus there means that there is a larger awakening uh, with those themes. So obviously we know that. There's, you know, new forms of synthetic meat being made. We're kind of being uh, awakened to the horrors that factory workers, uh, meat processing workers, and even like seamless delivery workers are exposed to, first of all. Secondly, um, you know, 
with Taurus, money, new currencies, blah, blah, blah. But what's going on for me in a really interesting way is this. You know, Taurus is the goddess. Taurus is all about fertility. She's the empress. In Black Widow, there was this really interesting scene, especially, I mean, this is a Disney movie, where Florence Pugh just talks about how the spy program they're in scooped out all of the the female agents ovaries and and fallopian tubes and everything and it was like a really striking moment um to be in the theater for this marvel movie with men and have florence Pugh like say basically bring up the violation of her reproductive rights and you know just I think we're all still reeling from the Britney Spears revelations where she basically talks about these state mandated IUDs that she's had to live with, which is like beyond a horror movie. It's beyond Rosemary's baby. So this is just what I want to say. Like, I think obviously I'm very aware that throughout the country, uh, like the battle against reproductive rights has gotten way more insidious than ever before. Um, and that Republican senators and lawmakers are now not are now have been fully without shame and that it does feel a little more hopeless than ever. I sense a shift in the culture. I just sense a shift with this Uranus and Taurus of like, I don't know. I just think an end end is near, but I don't think it's the one we think it is. I just think like there's some sort of um, a reshaping of the the social or cultural awareness. You know, obviously I live in New York where like this would not be, you know, no one needs that wool pulled out over their eyes about like should women have reproductive rights. I just think the battle over freedom that this country is allegedly about that always gets warped into being about like guns and uh, evangelical Christianity I think it might reverberate and refract in a way that the Republican lawmakers don't see coming. I'm I'm likely wrong. I just think having the planet of liberation and higher consciousness and fucking up the system in Taurus, things might take a turn. And, you know, when Uranus was in Taurus, yes, it was the Great Depression and yes, it was the buildup to World War II and fascism. But FDR did some, like, major shit. You know what I mean? We got Social Security. So, and, you know, that's an interesting time, too, because the last time Uranus was in Taurus, it's that really interesting moment kind of leading up to, like, a league of their own, which is, like, women having huge... It's really this Lois Lane era of, like, women in the workplace that then, of course, got shut down by... um, Ike Eisenhower, and of course we can all read The Feminine Mystique to learn more about that. I really recommend The Feminine Mystique audiobook, which Parker Posey narrates. Can you imagine? Uh, That got me through a beautiful road trip uh, when I left LA and moved my stuff back to Texas before coming to New York to fulfill this chapter of my destiny. I have been in New York for almost seven years. Seven Speaking of seven, Uranus takes seven years to move through a planet, and it takes Saturn about seven years to make an angle in your chart. So it's weird. I do feel spilkies. And I do feel like, I know I've been talking about this, I just really feel like there's an event horizon hanging over 2022. I have no idea what's coming. 
Um, yeah, I really just don't know what's going to happen. Um, I'm just trying to be open to like quantum abundance. I'm so limited. I'm so myopic. And I have such a scarcity mentality that I wish I could shake. Um, I want to say White Lotus by Mike White on HBO. Absolutely fabulous. Um, listen, obviously we know this is a Mike White appreciation podcast. I think about Year of the Dog every week. Obviously, Enlightened is in my soul throughout time and space forevermore. Um, this just like, first of all, Murray Bartlett, adore him. Natasha Rothwell, who I still think her episode of Netflix's The Characters is a must watch. I mean, she's a genius no matter what. Um, obviously she's great on Insecure as Kelly. But, yeah, and and I don't even need to say, but Jennifer Coolidge, you know, long long may she reign. Um, but it's great. I love it, and I I love what they're doing with Alexander uh, Alexandra Daddario. Like it's very bleak, um, and I like that they're fucking with her because she's so strikingly beautiful. But then they're putting her in this like bizarre competitive thing um, with these like twenty year olds. <laughs> Um, speaking of resort fare, uh, as we know, I am still suffering through the gay cold, which is now basically re-triggered my latent, um, COVID symptoms from 2020. So I'm just dealing with extreme fatigue. Uh, so last night I watched Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. Normally I do not like to watch movies that people on Twitter are excited about because as we know, most people on Twitter don't have good taste and are just reactive to literally any stim stimuli, but in terms of discernment, you know, can't really be trusted. However, I had the time of my life. You know, I, I want to explain something to maybe some of our younger listeners. Before uh, Vince Vaughn and Justin Timberlake uh, came and changed comedy forever, movies actually had to be really funny uh, and creative, right? So if you watch a movie like Austin Powers um, or Scary Movie, etc., etc., they have to really pull out a lot of gags because the goal is to make people, human beings, laugh and not just um, do basically what I was just complaining about with Jonathan Majors, this like bizarre... A per performative circle jerk that actually no one on earth enjoys. So, this movie, Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar, is the first one like that in years. Like, maybe since Zoolander, that made me feel, like, happy and joyful. And that was, like, really smart. Shantira Jackson, whom I adore from seeing at Union Hall in, like, 2018 has an amazing cameo. Honestly, everyone has amazing cameos. And like, you know, blame it on the ashwagandha powder I'm taking in the morning. But uh, Jamie Dornan, like some, I felt some blood bubbling up in my, in my system. Thank God. In my wilted uh, body. I was like, good God. Okay. But it really was like a pure, pure joy to watch. Obviously it's in the tradition of Romy and Michelle's high school reunion and the lesser known, uh, but equally deserving ass backwards 
with June Raphael and Casey Wilson. Um, but I just, like, I loved it. Okay. Yeah, and I'm also just, like, because I've been sick and my roommate's out of town, I'm truly, like, I am so lonely. Will anyone love me? Okay. Um, I did finish Scream 3. I want to give Jenny McCarthy a shout out because her murder scene in that movie, I think is still one of the most brilliant things I've ever seen. That whole movie is just like beyond, beyond anything. You know, we think about like the Birdman movie or all these other male self-referential bullshit. Nothing compares to Scream 3. Okay. Nothing is more. It's so in on the joke that it goes in and in and in until it's like, a hall of mirrors. It's genius. Um, I watched Summer of Soul, which is the Questlove documentary about the 1969 Harlem Soul Festival. Absolutely spectacular. It's in theaters. It's at Hulu. It really... Um, I wrote this quote down. Uh, quote, beautiful women, beautiful men. It was like seeing royalty. And that there is that specific feeling of just like being at a festival and being around like only cool people that I think like some of us have had at specific moments. Um, there have been like specific queer festivals obviously run of course by people of color because they're the only people who have good taste in music slash style, um, and who know how to organize a community and who aren't trying to take each other down, um, where you have had that feeling of like, oh, wow, I am on the spaceship and this is disco paradise. Um, the move, the documentary is amazing. Uh, Gladys Knight and the Pips, Fifth Dimension, honey. Uh, obviously Nina Simone, like, it's just like tear, 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 tear. And they do this amazing part where they say that it's the festival's going on concurrently with the moon landing and they interview all these people in Harlem who are like, I don't give a fuck about the moon landing. Why are people starving in this country? Like why are black people starving? And it just like nothing has changed. It, it, it really, it was just like amazing to see that. Um, because it was just like, fuck nothing has changed. Um, okay. I loved it. Watch it. Um, my Ayurvedist has forbid me from drinking ice, so that's, but I did say to her, I was like, you know what, I want to have a cup of matcha in the morning, even though I'm not allowed to have an iced matcha anymore, like, you can't take everything away from me. I am so scared that I'm going to be sick for when I go to Fire Island at the end of the month. I really hope that, like, I just want my vitality, and I'm probably going to buy a fifth bathing suit. Fifth dimension. Um, what else do I need to cover, baby? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, you know, I've been having some <laughs> psych, psychic, not psychedelic experiences where through altered meditative states and dream states, I have been confronting fears. Like I've been experiencing heights, depths, darkness, uh, oceanic bodies, uh, basically through like astral projection and it's all been by a higher design for me to confront my fears. And I have to say like, 
I think I might, I, I know how naive this sounds, but coming out of this round of being sick, which could go on for weeks or months or days, who knows? I just think there's a part of me that's like less afraid to be alive and is like willing to get on a jet ski. Um, so I believe, and I hope that's the case. With that said, I, I mean, I could not think of a more, um, of a more relevant episode for that sentiment. So I am very excited to unleash this one and um, thank you for listening. Okay, we are doing what I consider to be the archetypal primeval cancer to end them all. I mean, you have Princess Diana, but I would, after Diana, we need to come on with uh, Marianne. To do so, I have recruited... Uh, my chosen brother, you know, uh, blood siblinghood is random, but thank God I, I got to find and uh, belong with this one. Um, previous guest, dear friend, uh, I would say the Lisa Left Eye Lopez of Park Slope, Tommy thank O'Malley. You. Thank you for being here. What an introduction. <laughs> thank you. You know my affinity for Lisa. And her yeah. burning down of evil men's homes. Yes. <laughs> May she rest. Tommy, I have brought you on um, because you're you and I. I think are both lifers with Marianne, and you are also someone who I felt during the um, vaude- vaudeville theater of the 2020 election. And by 2020 election, I mean the five year period leading up to the 2020 election. Uh, you were really not taking any bullshit, and um, you actually were someone who was like ready to embrace uh change and that didn't really happen well i thought that um the 2016 election would be where i personally felt the intention of not taking bullshit that's where i came out guns blazing (laughs) we needed a third party jill stein and ajamu baraka were gonna be the answer (laughs) hillary was aiding and abetting sex trafficking and whatever else I thought at the time that I probably still think, but I don't want to offend anybody right off the bat. So I'll wait a little bit to call her the, the rot at the soul of the democratic party as my 2020 candidate of choice, Tulsi Gabbard called her. But then, you know, 2020 in general was a great lesson in humility for me because, uh, I was able to be quieter during that election, in part because of Marianne, because of the way that she conducted herself. And then to really be humbled at the end of the year to see like Tulsi Gabbard, who was another woman standing on that debate stage, talking, at least acknowledging the matrix in a way that I don't think very many other people up there were. We thought Andrew Yang was, but it turns out he's actually in agent of satan who who is, who is here he he's more of an antichrist figure if you think about it he shows up and he says all the right things and he's really good and that's one thing that i liked about marianne she had these alliances but none were absolute none were unconditional and when at the beginning of this pandemic andrew yang said well you know i was talking to a soldier friend of mine and you know wouldn't it be an interesting idea if we let soldiers get infected with the virus so that we had an immune uh, military force that we could also research uh, to see what happens in their bodies regarding antibodies and whatever else. And, and Marianne just responded very simply, no, Andrew. 
Two words. No, Andrew. On and that was that. that who knew that that was go, was a sign of things to come with this guy? Yeah. I mean, he also then told Asian Americans to wear the American flag when there was a spike in anti-Asian uh, hate crimes in this country, and and so you know, repeatedly she would come out against the people that she was aligned to when they said things that were not aligned with her code. Whether or not I agree with everything in her code, I believe that she really abides by it. And I Mm -hmm. did to some degree believe that with Tulsi. But again, I was humbled by that anti-trans bill that she dropped in Congress on her way out the door. And and really, I just don't think that that type of politics is where it's at. But I liked that Marianne shifted the conversation away from it and to a more kind of spiritual approach to how we organize, how we uh, define our government. So I love what you bring up about the Marianne-Andrew Yang friendship because Marianne is a Gemini rising, okay? We talked about this with Lindsay Lohan, who's also a Gemini rising. Gemini uh, and Sagittarius, I define, you know, they're they're on a binary, Gemini and Sagittarius. These are the two uh, non-moralistic signs. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're really not, you really can't tell a Gemini what's right or what's wrong on any relative scale because it just isn't going to hit them. And what makes Marianne so special to me, especially in the world of like hyper cancellation and politics is she does have a little of that Gemini rising of like, oh, should I be canceled for that? I don't really care. Like, what's so audacious about her, and by the way, it's not like she's saying um, like cruel or, or racist things that should get her canceled. She's just saying things that um, seem like ill-witted or hokey in a that aren't au courant with this like faux intellectual atmosphere. But I think her Gemini rising allows her to be a little bit like, oh, Andrew just said something stupid. I don't need to publicly disown him or like make a show of myself as some moralistic superior because she doesn't really care, you know? That's not really what's important to her. Well, she was in the trenches as well, and we can really get into the controversy about this, Um, but she was in the trenches, whether you like what she did or not, during the early AIDS crisis, in Los Angeles and and was driving people to their deaths, literally driving them to the hospital. Um, some people would think that she was actually with her words and teachings driving people into uh, <laughs> shameful deaths. But I disagree with that. Um, what, what I do think that she does, whether this is um, moralistic or not, is that she acknowledges that we are incredibly complex. Yes. That your right does not make my right wrong. And my right does not make your right wrong. She does have a moral code that she abides by. And it is rooted, I think, largely in her Jewish faith, which she does talk about. But like a lot of Jews I know, doesn't like to draw too much attention to it, especially in this time we're in right now, where where people on both sides of the political political spectrum are are meeting at Kill the Jew every other day yeah. on social media. I mean, it got real with this most recent um, <clears throat> war, conflict, whatever word is comfortable to you. I do not have a public opinion on this. And I admired the way you handled it, David, um, and the way that you talked about the donations you were making on the show. And But I, I, my heart was really with 
a lot of my Jewish friends recently. And once again, I found Marianne to be an exemplar. She was somebody as a, as a Gentile I could look to for advice on how to support my Jewish friends uh, who were going through this, who have incredibly complicated feelings about what's happening in Israel. And, and I know from other Jewish friends of mine, not you, I'm not putting you on blast here, that Marianne provided them a lot of solace in the way that she owned her Jewishness during all of it without having to denounce it, without having to overemphasize it. She just said what is. And that's what I think is really special about her. It's like, you know, Daniel Pearl, are you Jewish? My mother's a Jew. My father's a Jew. I'm a Jew. And that's kind of her approach to everything. It's just very, this is what it is. You don't have to like it, but it's not here to threaten you. I agree. The trench thing is... It's just like, yeah, she really was in AIDS. Like, she was, like, in it. And I don't think she's interested in claiming any identity there. I don't think she's interested in claiming an identity in any part of her life. This is very Gemini Rising to me of just, like, she's in the moment, but it it isn't her. And, you know, I just think we live in such a culture where if someone were doing the sort of work that she had done with AIDS, they would make that like their name or their brand. And for her, it's like, yeah, that's just something I was doing. I'm doing something different now. Like there is just this uh, hyper presence that I think is a little jarring for people. Well, and I think that like one of the things when you take somebody who has very complex motives and intentions and who has a really wide breadth of knowledge. She's quoting Rilke (laughs) at one moment and, uh, you know, calling Jacinda, what's the woman, what's the prime minister of New Zealand? She's calling her girlfriend from the, (laughs) from New Zealand. uh, Yeah. From the stage. You know, she's got the, this like her vocabulary is, is broad. And uh, so she's, you can, you can pick things out uh, to suit, your own motives if you want to because she says a lot of things and like people she sometimes reduces her points to generalizations to get a laugh on a show with like russell brand or whatever but when she's called out about that she will own that but what i have found especially during the 2020 election was that all these men anderson cooper who's a fucking vanderbilt uh, uh stephen colbert uh, people who have had Donald Trump on their shows and laughed with him, they went after her so hard. And, and, and especially like Anderson Cooper, beating home. So you're an anti-vaxxer. No, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. Yeah, but what you said sounds anti-vax. I understand why it sounds that way. It's not what I meant. It's not what I said. Uh, I hear that people heard that, but this is what I said. This is what I meant. So you are an anti-vaxxer. And it's the Trumpian thing. If, if I hold my position and I just say the thing enough, that's going to become the story. So then the headline is Anderson Cooper confronts Marianne Williamson about anti-vax statements. Not Anderson Cooper doesn't listen to Marianne Williamson right. or respond to a single thing she says, but instead offers the same non-responsive answer over and over again, so you're anti-vax. And that's how everybody dealt with her. And these guys had the balls to call out the way that she spoke to people who were dying of AIDS. Now, it's one thing when uh, 
people who were gay and in the trenches have a problem with Marianne. I understand that because I'm sure people did read what Marianne was saying, which is if you have AIDS, you need to love that AIDS. You need to understand that that AIDS is here to provide some information to you. When you are a sick person, which many, many, many people I know at our age, I mean, I'm 38, uh, so I'm a little bit older than you, but people our age and my age and younger, we don't know about being sick for the most part. Right. We're, we're very privileged in our health uh, for the most part. I had my first experience getting extremely ill this year and I had like three, I was in the hospital for nine days in January and I actually was diagnosed uh, with HIV and uh, it's because I had a whoopsie and I wasn't on prep and you know, that was my choice that I made, but I don't blame myself for getting it. What I did do, though, was empower myself when I was at my lowest in the hospital with this idea that, okay, I'm going to use my mind to get my body better. I did that, and I continue to do that every day. And <clears throat> you came into the hospital, and you saw me, David. And I brought you a return to love. You did bring me a return to love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This is true. You showed up with a lot of things, a lot of books. Yeah. Uh, the Tao Te King, I think, was one of them. Was it not? Which one? I think you brought me the Tao Te King. Was oh, one the of Tao Te Ching. Yeah, yeah. Tao yeah, yeah. Te King. Yes. How do you say? Yeah, yeah. That. I don't know. Anyway, that. Uh, you brought me that, which I thought was very... That, those were two nice compliments. Um, <laughs> and But that is what helped me. Was It helped me embrace the medicine, which works. It didn't come at the cost of me doing the medicine. And at, at the time you came and saw me in the hospital, they didn't know if I had AIDS. They didn't know how long I'd had HIV. I could have had it for a year at that point because that's how long it had been since my last HIV test. They thought I maybe had cancer. I did not right. know what was going on in my body. I just knew that I had to support whatever they were doing, all the poking and prodding, with what I could do, which is give my body the repeated, insistent message you are going to heal. I love you, body. We're going to make space to have this new roommate in us, and we are going to figure out how to live together. That's because I, I did follow. I got into Marianne, and it, it did help me to accept what has been happening with my body. Because, you know, I mean, we think of that like HIV is this thing that doesn't really matter. You always take a pill every day. It actually fucks with your body. Like, right. and, and it's the constant reminder i also got into louise hay who <laughs> do you know about louise hay oh yeah because she's the one people really go after from the aids from that like early right with marianne because they work together and, and well louise really started it all and she's the yes. most controversial because what's she's the new really... thought is that what it's called new thought yes yes and she is a little bit more black and white i think i mean listen if you if you open louise hay's book to what is which I happen to have right here. Not because you're here, just because, of course, I have it right here. <laughs> but if you want to know, like, I mean, it's, it's hard to read this, right? Like, I mean, just to get down to it. The way that Louise Hayes' book, Heal Your Body, is uh, laid out, it's three columns. There's a problem. There's a probable cause for the problem. And then there's a new thought pattern that it gives you to overcome the problem. So if you have AIDS, right. Louise Hay says that the probable cause is that you are feeling defenseless and hopeless. Nobody cares about you. You have a strong belief in not being good enough. Denial of yourself, sexual guilt. Then 
the new thought pattern is I am part of a universal de design. I am important and I am loved by life itself. I am powerful and capable. I love and appreciate all of myself. Because we live in this hyper-secular society, and this is what I love about Marianne, this has to be demonized so that the vaunted physicians do not lose their power. Right. So, you know, thank you for sharing all of that. And, you know, I read Return of Love when I was like in week like 10 of <laughs> COVID bed rest and it just was mm. not getting better. And for me, it was hard because I have such a God complex that I think that if I'm ill, it's completely under my control and that I'm just not vibrating right. And my therapist forced me to stop listening to Esther Hicks for that reason. <laughs> But that's why people are mad at Marianne. Right. But this country, you know, I was reading in The Atlantic about um, a meat processing plant in Kansas, and they're interviewing the people who work there, who are, of course, getting their fingers cut off, et cetera, et cetera. They're all on oxy because the job is literally, like, breaking their bodies. And that is really the world that, you know, our lawmakers want us to live in. And yeah, so when Marianne says, like, why don't we take a spiritual, emotional look at what's going on with you rather than getting you addicted to oxy? Why don't we start asking some bigger questions? Of course, it's going to piss people off. Well, I think that that gets down to what's most appealing about her for me, which is this fiercely anti-corporatist uh, position that she has claimed for herself in the Democratic Party. Uh, which very, very few people, including basically none of your faves, are are really claiming. Yeah. Everybody sort of has to play the game. But because she is not in a position to be bought, she just gets to say whatever the fuck she wants. So let's just say this. Marianne Williamson is a cancer. She is a cancer son. Okay, so when you say that, she's a classic cancer I think of cancers as like super sensitive, yes, uh, really empathetic, but almost to a fault sometimes. Yes, you know, Cancer and Capricorn are two ends of a spectrum, and Capricorn is the masculine; it's the father; it's the state; it is like order and rulership. Cancer is the feminine; it's like the mother in the cave; it's the breastfeeding; it's like really this open heart and like princess diana marianne williamson is this specific kind of cancer who for some reason <laughs> has been flung out to confront the dominant order and the system marianne williamson has three planets in cancer she has cancer in her first house and her son in cancer is right with uranus uranus is this kind of revolutionary genius like overthrow planet it's all about pushing the agenda and venus a venus in cancer is the most what can i give how can i give it's it's pure compassion so marianne williamson's i think battle in life i mean there's more that we'll get into but it's really how do you have an open heart in a corporatist world? Well, it's moving even beyond just the corporatist because I think that this hyper corporatism is a symptom of the hyper secular 
society that we live in, which is something that she also talks about, where the domain of suffering was at one point spirituality. Like that is where we would go to heal our normal human suffering, grief, loss, physical pain that changes the way that we have to live our life and have to adjust to all of that we would pray through now with psychopharmacology and this is something i'm also experiencing i keep thinking of all the things she says as i'm going through my own medical journey and part of my medical journey mm. involves mental health yes and after a 45 minute introductory session over zoom with my psychiatrist i had like seven different diagnoses and an offer for at least two different pills. Okay? Like an anxiety thing. And he initially was thinking an antidepressant, but probably not an antidepressant. So it's like, I remember the first time somebody tried to prescribe me an antidepressant, an SSRI. This is like maybe 13 years ago. And I asked him what it did. And, and this was a, my therapist who was a nurse practitioner and a social worker, which is how he could prescribe meds. So he was going to prescribe me Celexa, which is an SSRI. Yeah, it's intense. And I said, okay, well, so what does it do? He told me it floods my brain with more serotonin. I was like, so what level is my serotonin at? And he was like, well, we can't test that. I was like, so you just want to give me more serotonin. Now, this is coming from somebody whose father was on Prozac in the 80s before anybody really was on Prozac, <laughs> and it didn't work. The only, you know what cured my father's depression? Getting a terminal cancer diagnosis. Mm. That's when his cancer – I mean, not his cancer. His cancer never went into remission. That's when his <laughs> depression went into remission. Mm. So, so there's obviously something deeper about my father's uh, mental health issues than what – the physicians were able to see. This is not to minimize people that take the drugs, that need the drugs. I might be one of them. I will join you. Right. I'm not above it. I'm just saying that how trigger happy we are. And the point that Marianne makes that like gynecologists often are prescribing antidepressants to women, not, not a psychiatrist. So when you, when we have this type of uh, relationship between Western medicine and psychopharmacology, it's okay to ask questions. Right. She's not telling anybody what to do. This is what I also think is really great about the way that she communicates is she asks questions, but people get so enraged. So Marianne's chart is ruled by Mercury. Which means what? Mercury is the planet of communication. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. Mercury, when you have a Gemini rising, Mercury rules Gemini. So wherever, if you have a Gemini rising, you want to see where is the source of their communication, right? You know, her Mercury is conjunct Lilith in Leo in the third house of self-expression. Lilith, we know, is the archetype of the exiled woman and the punished woman and the, the woman who is kind of rejected and kicked out and punished. And it's in Leo in the third house of self-expression. So we just know that <laughs> she, I, I think about Geminis, you know, we know Azalea Banks is a Gemini and I think about Gemini Risings again with like L Lindsay Lohan. Gemini has a Cassandra complex, which is to say Geminis are usually tapping into exactly what's going on right now 
and they're going to say it without a filter, whether you like it or not. And in her case, when we see that Lilith right on the Mercury, we know she is actually basically constantly speaking the truth. Um, it's just not the one that we want to hear. And, you know, when you think about the AIDS thing, the real truth that I think she was getting at was you probably can't cure AIDS by doing emotional spiritual work. However, in the 80s, 100% of the men who were dying of AIDS, suffering and um, exiled from their own families, deeply traumatized and in need of spiritual healing. Incidentally, yes. Unfortunately, when she relays a truth like that, it gets totally warped and our culture wants to punish her for that because I think the Gemini rising, I think there's this part of her that she is always going to say what we don't want to hear. And, you know, what Trump did that worked was that Trump, who is a Gemini, by the way, he spoke for the people. He was not like, for instance, someone like Hillary Clinton who would go visit these small towns but actually didn't give a shit about them, right? Not that Trump gave a shit about them, but he could get the ethos, you know? Marianne does that too, but Marianne, I think, is exposing like a deeper disdain and a deeper distrust among the classes, maybe. I don't know if it's a class thing or what, or I don't know if it's some thing she's exposing about American individualism where she's just like, this isn't working and this hasn't been working. I don't know. But, you know, when I see her Gemini rising and her Mercury with Lilith, it's like, especially in Leo, Leo is all about you embodying something. She is embodying this message and she is trying to heal people. And she then becomes, and I, and we've talked about this, this campaign and taking on all of this has like taken an effect on her. And like, I think it's like, can't have been easy because she's become this punching bag. And I think when, like you were saying about her going on whatever Colbert, when she's asking these questions, there's a lot of other people who want to ask those questions, but know that they can't cause they'll be punished. She as Lilith is basically the effigy of this. So she's basically taking the hit for being a liberal who wants to say like, are we also being followers? Are we being free thinkers? You know? Well, you know what nobody wants to hear is that the Democrats are as bad as the Republicans. Right. <laughs> right. But the early indications from this presidential administration is that on some key issues that were really, really bad under Trump, nothing has really improved. Separation of children from parents, keeping children in cages at the borders, immigration. We have Kamala Harris saying, do not come, do not come. <laughs> Even though it's completely legal to seek asylum at the border. People don't want to hear that because it gets in the way of convenient narratives that the Democrats are really good at shaping and preempting arguments because they know that we... Well, you have a problem with Kamala Harris? You think that it's wrong that we have a black woman being the vice president? No, that's not what I said. That's not what I said. I think it's bad that we have a cop as the vice president. <laughs> you know? And, and so on the left, you have people that say that. For me to say that, I sound very angry. And it's easy to pigeonhole me as an angry white faggot who wants to take that. 
Marianne's a Jewish woman, so she's used to being a punching bag, if I can take the liberty of saying that. And I think that she is willing to assume that position over and over and over again. But I do think that there's a limit to how much she can take. You can see it already. There's, There's cracking on her show... Her podcast that she does. The only part of the podcast I really can listen to is when she answers. That's the only part. Because, you know, she, you know, Marianne's a great speaker, not a great interviewer. Which to me is pure cancer, which is like, she has so much to give. I think the dialogue aspect um, is a little more difficult because I think she has so much to give and she's so sick of like, entertaining she can be interviewed she can have that type of a dialogue where somebody else is controlling the flow where there's a debate moderator she really shines in that environment she's really great at standing against an audience of thousands i think to me one of the most invigorating political speeches i've ever seen was her endorsement of bernie sanders in austin texas uh in the 2020 election and I watched that, and I remember thinking, "Oh, I think we're gonna, I think we're gonna do this." And then, of course, <laughs> Pete Buttigieg, Amy Klobuchar, all the favorite sons and daughters of the Democratic Party, uh, united in their contempt for democratic populism, which Bernie represented. One might even say against a Jewish president, because it it was so. I wouldn't have gone there. I really wouldn't have gone there if it didn't get so killed the Jewy after what happened in Gaza last month. Yeah. I, if it's it been, didn't, it's been ugly. Most of my Jewish friends that I know from like New York just avoided social media for like a month and a half. Yeah. Yeah. You actually were kind of my lifeline because I was completely dissociated for weeks. And it's good people. So many of my friends, I'm sure so many of your friends, a bunch of people who are listening to this, think it's okay to just say whatever they want about Israel because, oh, I'm, I'm only talking about Israel and not Jewish people. And it's like, okay, have you been there? Do you have any skin in the game? I don't think so. And right. this is where Marianne, I, I think, succeeds is that she has skin in a lot of different games. Yes. And so she's able, by ver- things that are external to herself, perhaps, to take stances that are really unpopular and not alienate people the way that, like, me, a white faggot, or somebody else saying something similar would risk the wrath of the mob or whatever it is. Yeah, I love that. Um, you know, she also, she has her Chiron and her moon in Capricorn. And there's just Chiron is the wounded healer Mm. and her Chiron is connected to so many of her planets in her chart. You know, Chiron is this wounded healer archetype, which is Chiron and Capricorn is basically I have been fucked by the system and now I have to hack the system to heal others who have been fucked by the system. And a lot of the story of her chart, because Chiron is in, a square with Saturn, it's opposing her son. It's what are the limits of how much you can give and how much you can heal within a system? How much can you push the system forward? You know? 
It's interesting because she represents a sort of healing for me because I did not fuck with Marianne Williamson until, I think until, yeah, it was until the presidential election. Mm. Because my sister, especially, and my mother, I think, really liked her. But my sister definitely was really into her. So I was like, not for me. I thought it was like some Maeve Binchy bullshit. (laughs) Like I didn't, I didn't know what it was. I just knew Oprah was involved. Right. I, I, I knew it was like sort of vaguely self help. So I never paid attention. Knew nothing of her history with AIDS, and sorry, sorry, we just had a little mice uh, moment. Uh, it in came my in home? and came out. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I do live in an old brownstone. Okay. <laughs> um, so the Buddhists would tell us that to was say, a guide. thank you, please yeah. leave. <laughs> uh, thank you. That doing, was a guide. I've been doing a lot of that lately. So actually, you know, I think I'm more intensely into her. I got into her because of her politics. I liked the way she was speaking. But now, as I am on my own healing journey and I'm discovering Buddhism, I'm realizing that like one of the things that I think helps her get through is she does move with this sort of Buddhist sense of detachment through the world. <clears throat> yeah. You know, there is something that I like about her and Caroline Mace um, that I kind of equate to Marianne's Mars and Scorpio. Um, you know, Marianne has a reputation for being really woo woo. Um, if you read her books, She's pretty tough. Um, Like, I have read a lot of self-help books. I have read, trust me, I have explored every (laughs) tentacle of the beast. Um, She and Caroline Mace, I think, and this is why I loved their their episode of her podcast is truly bananas. That is the woo-wooest. I was just going to say, come on. But... I think it's her first episode, It is the first episode. She is very much like... You need to take fucking responsibility of your life. No, you know what I mean? She, there are, there's a lot of points in a return to love where it's like, fuck. You know what I mean? Where she's like, you need to forgive now. This is your responsibility. You know, stop playing the victim. There's a lot of these tough moments that I, I think kind of sets her apart. And I think it is connected to that Buddhist sense of detachment, which is just like, this is, and I think that probably goes towards a sense of a little impatience of just like, okay, she's here to give, she's here to nourish, she's here to open her hearts, but like, she cannot babysit, you know? Well, I mean, listen, it's 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 all things. It's the woo-woo and it's the medical. It takes both things working together to get some of us through. Yeah. If you go fully medical and that works for you, great. It would not work for me Same, and has not worked for me when I've tried to like address like my psoriasis or whatever. But, you know, it's like she gets called out for telling people not to take their meds. A, she never said that. She was not trying to get people to like hold crystals to cure their AIDS. That's never what she was trying to do. She was paying for people who couldn't afford for their treatments. She was paying for that for them. She was bringing people food when they couldn't leave the house to go get their own meals. She was providing for people. She was doing that kind of cancerian mother thing that you were talking about earlier. She did that for a lot of people, but like, you know, and Sarah Shulman talks about this in her interview with Larry Kramer for the act up oral history project. I think it's that one. It could be another one, but like the people that just did the holistic stuff are not around (laughs) for the most part. 
the people that were like trying to cure their HIV with crystals and fermented vegetables, <laughs> that didn't. They're mostly not here. Right. You need you need both. I understand why a lot of people from that time are very mad at Marianne because how could you not be mad? Nothing was saving people in the early days, and. Anybody that was trying to say this will help you, I can see how that would enrage a person when their lover, their best friend, their newspaper guy, their coffee guy, everybody's dying one after. I get why people are so angry at her. The thing that I find like as she's evolved from that time into where we're at right now, this idea of like being detached, it's really rooted in not Buddhism, but I think in a course of miracles, the course in miracles. Have you ever tried it? Oh no, I'm yeah. I've oh, I, that was the it. first thing I did when when COVID happened. Wow. Because Marion, because Marion really does. She went into that that mama mode for all of us. I found in the early days of COVID, when we were all in our homes, I was in a friend's apartment by myself on the Upper West Side, slowly losing my mind. And and she was a force of stability. One hundred percent. She immediate her tweets, her videos, everything. But she made the Course in Miracles free for one. Right. Year. Oh yeah, I did do that. I did the emails. I did do the emails for like six months. Thanks to you. You're right. Yeah. And I was listening every morning. I would get up. I would listen to her. It got to be too much. But you know, it's it's literally look around the room. Everything your eye falls on. That Rosie O'Donnell Barbie. That television. That jar has no meaning and you just say it for everything yeah. for like five minutes and then the next day you go through that Rosie O'Donnell Barbie that television that jar has all the meaning I can give to it yes and you just train your mind to to expect nothing and expect everything bring the full weight of your experience to what you're going through and also approach it with fresh eyes it, it's such a it's so complicated the way that that works I don't really understand it I had to put it down I'll get back to it but that is what I felt it driving me toward was this way of just existing in space and letting that be enough. Which I have to say what's really interesting about that is that she's anti-wellness. What you just described is the antithesis of wellness. Yes. You know, Miriam It's not about your comfort. It's not about your comfort and there's nothing you can really do or buy to make you better. Um, which I think is not what anyone wants to hear right now because wellness is everything right now. Wellness is all dominating. And wellness is really tied into individuality, right? Wellness is this idea that you can change your skincare regimen and you can control how you look and control your destiny. She is not really saying that. She is saying, like, you can look within and you can deal. You know, she is, like I said, she's a Mars in Scorpio. So Mars in Scorpio is pretty intense. It's like controlling, strategic, individualistic. And then she has a Capricorn moon, which I think is one of the hardest placements of them all. Um, Capricorn moon just really wants control. It really feels secure with the sense of control. Um, and, you know, that Capricorn moon is in the eighth house of metamorphosis and ego death. So, you know, she is someone who's done it all on her own. And a lot of it is. What very, do you mean she's done it on her own? Her success, 
her drive, it's she's in charge, she's running the show, she's pushing it forward, she's like pulling the cart. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know she has a lot of, I'm sure she has like a huge team and stuff, but the Oh, Mars- I get the impression she's, honestly, when I look at her, because I know we both have personal assistant backgrounds, I have a little bit, she's a little triggering to look at. Oh, okay, interesting. I, I envision her being very fucking intense to work for. Right, because I think she is running the show. She has mm-hmm. always been running the show, and that's like the way it's been. And it's just really interesting to think about that because I do think like her work has a similar vibe, which is like, okay, you need to get it together. Mm-hmm. Like you need to deal right now so that we can move on because I don't really have time for this. Mm-hmm. You know, w- which I which I love. I, I think that's probably very difficult. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it probably, it's probably really hard, but at the same time, it's what's gotten her this far. And I think she understands the sacrifice of that, which is like she is going to be the lightning rod. Mm. You know, it's just interesting to me. I think that there's got to be a piece of her, too, that wants that. Because, I mean, her whole thing and, like, the thing that people get angry about is, like, oh, do you create your own misery? Your mind creates what's happening in your reality. So if she is the lightning rod, then she's creating that to some degree. Mm -hmm. She has to acknowledge that. So where, I wonder, does that factor into all of this? Yeah, that to me is very much... um you know, her moon is in the eighth house of ego death and of rescinding uh, rescinding some life lo- life role. Her moon is in Capricorn, which means that she gets her sense of security out of <laughs> control, stability, all of that. And, you know, that moon rules cancer in her, in her first house of intrinsic selfhood. So we know that there is some sort of a battle involved in her being this healer and her giving, but her also being at this distance and at this remove and kind of above others um, that I think is really difficult, especially also with the Mars and Scorpio. It's like, it's not really her career peak. Her, her 10th house of career is in Pisces. And I think that the aim of her chart is to be Piscean, which is to be among the people and of the people because that contains all the other signs, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. But I think what's hard with her chart is a little bit about rescinding that individual drive and control and I've got to do this. And I think that's probably why the podcast interviews are a little bit difficult because it's the Marianne show. And <laughs> you know it what has I mean? to be. Well, and also, like, it's interesting that she's had this. Is this her third act? Well, let's say she AIDS is the first act. Yeah. The Oprah era is the second act. Yeah. And now political Marianne would be the third act. I agree. And the second era is interesting because a lot of people blame her for exploiting and profiting off of the AIDS deaths. But she did cozy up to billionaires to get to where she is. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that there's anything wrong with that, but... You know, to then come out swinging against corporatist electoral politics when one of her best friends through the 90s was Oprah, <laughs> who helped get Barack Obama elected very, very clearly. Right. I think that, that Oprah's endorsement of Obama 
won over a lot of those White House wives in the 2008 election. I don't think that that can be understated. So I'm just saying, like, there's she contains multitudes and she's not above reproach. And there are there are things to look at in the way that she. But it makes sense if if it's all about control and if it is the Marianne show. You know, Princess Di was probably a fucking lunatic and a pain in the ass to deal with if you had to deal with her. But she was kissing people with AIDS when people were wearing full hazmat suits around them. Right. So, like, to be the lightning rod in spite of your personal flaws, whatever. And I'm not saying Marianne is, like, this raging narcissist. Maybe she's amazing to work for, and I'm just, like, projecting my own shit onto her. She just is friends with some, like, questionable people. Which I don't think makes her cancelable. It just makes her a little bit more complicated. Right. I think like because she's like a best selling self help author, I'm like oh I'm more okay with her than other politicians because I think she's like very aware about the reality that like everything is like an exchange and a business. Mm-hmm. And I think the idea of her being like, yeah, I wrote a return to love. People pay money. They see me speak and I help them. That's the trade off as opposed to other like politicians where it's like, well, David Geffen's going to host a dinner for Hillary Clinton where every (laughs) every seat is like thirty thousand dollars. That's where it's like, well, this seems a little more iffy. You know what I mean? And I think like her traditional sense of like Mars and Scorpio, just like drive, drive, drive is I find a little less insidious and I find it a little bit more Mm. like direct. You know, what's interesting about her chart is that she has Chiron, the wounded healer in her seventh house of intimate partnership. Um, And she has Saturn, you know, some source of lessons uh, in her fourth house of home in Libra. Libra is the relational sign. And, you know, when I was thinking about her chart, I was wondering about what is the sacrifice of giving so much publicly on one's personal relationships? That's not something I know personally. If I were reading her chart, that would be a big question I would ask, which is how do you heal the wounds of your personal relationships and how do you get a sense of solidity in your home life when you have so much to give to the world? You know, that's like a big, big question I have looking at her chart, and that can't be easy. She comes from an era that I think is is going to be looked on oddly, which is this like celebrity era. I could be wrong about this, but I feel like we're moving. We're so fragmented as a society. Like, are there going to be celebrities anymore? Like what she pursued, is that even going to be possible in 50 or 100 years when everyone's consciousness is downloaded onto the internet or whatever we're hurtling toward to annihilation i don't know but is this thing that she had even going to be an option for people that i mean to me it seems like we're all moving a little bit more local like Mm. maybe they i think we'll have like local celebrities well in our little niches in our little chat rooms whatever we break out into right in our internet future i don't know right what they're going to be. But you know what I mean? Like what, I don't know that what Marianne has reached for, because make no mistake, she reached for this. This was not thrust on her. No, no. She, I think she, she answered did and she answered a calling. She did. Yeah. yeah. And I, I just don't know if that will be a calling. People will be asked to answer anymore. Uh, because it seems like 
we don't know the same people anymore. The mm. way that everybody used to know all the same people. You know, and Marianne was like really at the tail end of that era where mm. people still watch network TV every night. And right. Now everything's on the apps. And I don't know. It just it feels like we're moving into a different era regarding like celebrity and and reach. It's so interesting because I think the truth that her Gemini rising speaks to is that um, with all of these changes, we're still as like provincial as ever. Mm. And we're still as like, we're still fools. And I Mm. think like her Gemini really speaks to that. And I think a lot of like the intellectual bourgeois that has formed is really threatened by that. Well, she's actually an intellectual. Right. That's what's interesting. (laughs) She actually reads. um, What she wants to read. Right. (laughs) That's the other thing that's so interesting. She doesn't torture herself with what other people think she should be reading. Yes. So that's what I like about her. Like her, nobody else can quote people the way she can quote people. Yeah, her references are very distinctly Marianne, and I think that that comes across in her energy. I th- there's a lot to unpack there. I also think that like one of my favorite things about her is that she is this sort of like she could be any white middle aged woman of means. Right. And at the same time, she's something completely different because she's also not really white. You know, she's Jewish for those listening. Her that to me is the sun Uranus conjunction in the first house. You know, Uranus is this revolutionary and the sun is this like source of radiance and vitality. And they're right there in that first house of intrinsic Mm -hmm. selfhood. Mm -hmm. So there's just this aspect of just like it's not just cancerism. It's like radical cancerism. And it's like she can't that can't even be helped. Her Gemini is interesting to me because it's not just in her first house. It's very much in her 12th house of self undoing and closure. So I just think like, you know, when you were asking about like where her breed of celebrity will go in the future, it's like hard to think about because someone like her or Azalea Banks or Lindsay Lohan or even Donald Trump, it's like they are truly of the moment. And like that is the Gemini factor of like, you know, you're a Sagittarius. So for you, these questions go a little bigger and a bit like what is the legacy? How far does this go? This Gemini factor is so tapped into the very moment. She is really a vessel of the times. And it's really hard for me to imagine in a bigger scope like what, you know, what that means. You know what I mean? I think that Marianne, I, I thought this when you said it earlier, I was like, no, nah, I don't say that. Cause I've, I'm, I'm not a Trumpy person at all, but like, I do think Marianne, and I don't say this sympathetically to Donald Trump. If I look at her in versus Donald Trump and her versus Hillary Clinton, I think that there's more in common between Marianne and Donald Trump than there is between Marianne and Hillary Clinton. I actually agree. <laughs> I agree. I think, in terms of like populism or whatever, they're both way more in touch. Well, they both talk to people. Right. He lies to people. She probably lies too. We all lie, but like he really, but he lies to people's faces. Right. And that's the difference. Right. Exactly. You know, so I, I mean, I don't like him at all and I really like Marianne. Um, so I just want to be clear about that because <laughs> I feel like I have to be <laughs> for this audience. Maybe I don't know. You know, whatever. Actually, I don't give a shit. They'll be fine. You know what? In this era, that's the other thing. 
reading about this, I think when you think about the Course in Miracles, you think about Buddhism, you think about moving through the world with detachment. I think one of the reasons that she's able to do and say and be the way she is is that she really genuinely has surrendered to some higher vibration right. that is carrying her through this life and just has complete faith in that. Yeah, I, I got to tell you, like, what's beautiful about her chart, among many other things, is she has a, a trapeze formation. So we have mm-hmm. we have basically a connection of two planets that are lifted up by several other planets. Mm. And the, the ones at the top of the trapeze are Chiron, the wounded healer, in that seventh house of intimate partnership, and Jupiter planet of wisdom and abundance in Taurus, Taurus, the goddess, Taurus, sustenance, Taurus, abundance, not abundance, like fertility, wealth in the 11th house of network and community. So we know that she's really, the stakes are very high and it's a very big, big mission. What's exciting to me about this moment is that currently Marianne's just getting stronger, I got to tell you. Um, So, you know, when Saturn and Jupiter were both hitting her moon, which was around the end of 2020, that was when she was, I think, launching the pod. Yeah. And that I got it when she launched that podcast. I got to tell you, you know, if you think about a Saturn moon conjunction, so if you think about your moon as your inner life and your emotional needs, Saturn is all about guilt, obligation, blah, blah, blah. You know, are you being efficient enough? Are you working hard enough? When I read someone and I see that they're having a Saturn moon moment, I say, oh, you know, you're really getting in touch with what do you want? And you're kind of casting off a lot of guilt and obligation and anxiety about what you what others expect of you. I felt when she had that happen, around when she started that podcast, she really just completely went off in the most amazing way where she was just mm-hmm. like, I don't give a fuck. I'm going to talk shit about Amy Klobuchar if Amy Klobuchar is being a hypocrite who is saying that pizza should be counted as a vegetable in middle school cafeterias. And there is this thing about the the podcast, which is like, she her Capricorn moon, which is like, I know that I'm in charge and I know that I'm smarter than you and I'm tired of like pretending not to be has really gone into overdrive. And it's really refreshing because when I listen to her podcast, I'm like, I am going to learn something today and Mm -hmm. she is not wasting time, you know? Mm -hmm. So I thought that was like a very exciting transition for her. Um, Currently Jupiter and Saturn are moving through Aquarius in her ninth house of travel publishing God and higher education where she has her North Node. So I actually think right now we're going to be seeing, I think through 2023, a real surge, which is just her being able to synthesize the message and get it out to the people in a whole new way. Um, We're seeing her on Twitter, on the podcast, etc. I think that's just going to keep going and going and going until she's like a TikTok star. Well, I think what's going to happen is as the midterms, but especially as 2024 heats up, the media is going to turn on her again. Because right now, she's even said this, that she has she's shown more respect when she goes on the conservative media, when she goes on Fox News, than she is on the liberal. Because once... 
the stakes are heightened and the Democrats have something to lose and they're going to have a lot to lose in the next four years, they're going to have to turn on her because she's going to represent a a threat to the status quo. Right now, whatever she's tweeting doesn't matter because... And actually, I appreciate that she's helping me to really embrace that he's kind of being anti-corporatist Biden and and coming out against the tech companies and like asking important questions. So she's guiding us, the, the, the skeptics, the people like me who are like, fuck these Democrats. She's letting us, she says you can choose to be skeptical. You can choose that or celebrate the wins where you get them. What I really see happening, you know, She's having these planets moving through Aquarius. We're all having them move through Aquarius, but she has it in a very public place. And then her career peak of her chart is in Pisces. Mm. So we're having Jupiter. Jupiter's currently in Pisces, but Jupiter will be in Pisces next year. Saturn will move there, 2023, 2024. But, you know, we're moving into this very public part of her chart. Mm. You think about Aquarius. Aquarius is all about dissemination of of new information, uh, you know, new technology, youth movements. A lot of... Gen Z, so if we're thinking about these kids who were born when Saturn was in Aquarius, when Saturn was in Pisces, so we're thinking about mid to, these kids who were born in the mid to late 90s, early 2000s, you know, a lot of them are going on TikTok, and all, there's a lot of TikTok that's fringe. There's a lot of tarot, there's a lot of crystal shit on TikTok, there's a lot of astrology on TikTok. I think that she might have a moment where youth culture comes around to her in a big way. You know, I think that there's kids who are young enough who don't even know what, like, a return to love was. Mm. And they might be discovering this woman who is putting into very literalistic terms these themes that are very refreshing and shocking to them that they're all seeking but don't really understand. So I could kind of see that while the, like, intellectual millennial cognoscenti um you know who is so against earnestness and so like traumatized by 9-11 basically goes against her i could really actually see during this period uh, a youth resurgence around her which is basically there's like this cool lady who's like trying to connect all the dots for us uh, and who isn't fucked up like our parents. I mean, hopefully they're the ones who can, you know, hold off the fate that she's been warning us that we're hur- hurtling towards, which right. is like, where do you live? Oh, I live in Google. Oh, I live in Apple. You know, <laughs> like, that's kind of where we're heading. Right. We're already in an oligarchy. We just don't call it that. Uh, and, you know, I mean, I think that she sees that. And I don't know. Hopefully I don't. I'm I'm really into this Gen Z. I can't say one thing about them because I haven't figured it out yet. I'm I'm into them the, though. The, the, the outer member. Bring it on! I'm like really inspired by what I've seen, especially last year. I was really inspired. I could do without the sexlessness, and this is where I think maybe Marianne can help them because she's actually, if you like, look into her. It's it's good. Sex is important. I just think the a lot of the Saturn. Aquarius, Saturn, Pluto kids, you know, you and I come from a Pluto Scorpio um, and a largely Capricornian background. So we just have so much shit with like, uh, you know, uh, you were like eight and I was born when the Berlin Wall was coming down. Like we just Mm -hmm. have so much of that baggage. Mm -hmm. And I think 
the younger kids who were born with Saturn in Aquarius or Pisces um, and maybe Pluto and Sagittarius are able, they're a little bit more tapped into this, like they didn't, they don't have as raw of memories of 9-11 as we do. And they're a little bit more able to like have a, a vibe of like, I'm a citizen of the world. Like I love everyone, which I think is a little harder for us because we're so divisive and I just hope, like, I could see her message really being taken up by those. You know, I think she drives very well with, like, an Emma Gonzalez viewpoint. And when I listen to Marianne's podcast, it's really hard for me because I'm like, Marianne is really pushing for direct action now, and I am so in survival mode that it's hard. But maybe there are, like, 23-year-olds who, who are going to hear her message and be like, fuck yeah, well, I'm going to go. Every 20 years, we have these events, right? Yeah. So HIV started in 1980, we'll say. Yes. Uh, right around there. Then you have 9-11, 20 years. After HIV, you had the people that were all about the meds. You had the people that were all about the spiritual aspect of it. Marianne represents one wing. You could say ACT UP represents the other wing, although I think that's a reduction of what ACT UP did. 20 years later, you have 9-11, the people that were like, yeah, we need the security state. No, we need to embrace one another more. We don't yes. need more walls between us. Yes. Sarah Shulman probably representing, you know, Sarah Shulman <laughs> running around saying, please take down your American flag all over the East Village yeah, the day after 9-11. That's fucking yep, amazing. Yep. And yeah. now we're at this moment, 20 years after that, and uh, literally, and and now it's like, okay, so are you, are you wearing your mask in public? Okay. Cool. I respect that. Like, I don't know what's going on with your health, but like, I, like we're we're in a different place right now because now it's the people who came are coming through what we've just gone through, feeling like their perspective. They have to defend it at all costs, and it's them against the world. Right, and they're still perceiving the threat. And then there's others who are kind of leaning away from that and saying, "Okay, okay, okay." Like, you know, maybe Marianne's right when she's saying that mandated vaccinations are Orwellian because, yeah, I'm, I'm taking the vaccine. I'm not anti-vax, of course. but we're entering this world where we're having to show proof of it. And and there have been other vaccines and we've learned there have been other pandemics that have become endemic and we've learned to live with them. And it's just like. How conservative are we going to be? How liberal are we going to be? I don't have a strong answer. I'm just saying that, like, there is something that feels what she, uh, people say she's anti-vax because she described forced ster forced uh, vaccinations as Orwellian. <laughs> that is Orwellian. <laughs> I'm sorry. Even if Orwell died because he couldn't get a vaccine for tuberculosis <laughs> or whatever killed him, you know, like I I just think that she at all of these points has like represented kind of a healing. Cause I went back and looked at some of what she said around nine 11 and it was very much a, like we need one. another. <laughs> yeah. Which was nine 11 was supposed to be about communal collective grief. And instead it got turned into a uh, Batman. We need to like take revenge. And that has led us to where we are now. Mm -hmm. She was right. We need one another. This is what this is about. She's right again now, which is really mask or no mask. What she's been saying that I think has been really resonating is her being like, 
uh, however big the stimulus bill that you're giving people is, it's not, it's not enough. big enough. It's not enough. That to me is the real thing that she's really fucking with, which is saying like, how how is how have we gotten? And this is to me her Jupiter and Taurus is her saying, how have we gotten so addicted to scarcity? Well, and she signal boosts people too that are like, what happened to Kamala Harris saying that we want $2,000 a month payments retroactive to the beginning of the pandemic? Yes. Where did that Kamala Harris yes. go? She, so she, even if she's not directly attacking, she's letting people that have these questions know, I see the question and I echo it. I, rep, I echo the sentiment. Right. And we're, we're all wondering which way this is going to go. Let's not expect that they're going to fail. Let's not expect that they're going to let us down and just surrender to the corporate interests of the Democratic Party. Right. But but so I, I look at her as kind of a doula, a crisis doula. She I helps us like be rebirthed every time we have one of these things. That's amazing because her moon is in the eighth house and the eighth house is like death and rebirth. Mm. And the moon is, you know, the mother, the doula. Mm. And moon she I has know. her the moon is ruling cancer in her first house. And that moon is in Capricorn, which is the sign of the state. So I I love this idea that she is like a doula of the government, basically, mm-hmm. of just like she is the one who's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. We're going through something like someone needs to, ca-. you know, that's why she was my president during the pandemic, because I was like, I literally need someone to just be. And this is why what George Bush, by the way, should have. Well, not George Bush. Anyone should have done after 9-11 of being like, you're in pain. I see you rather than I'm going to save you, whatever. And that to me is her doula of being like, people are suffering. We need to address that first and foremost, you know? Well, and she empowers people. And this is not what everybody wants or needs to hear, I guess, but. To understand that if you want to heal your suffering, you're going to heal your suffering. You are going to heal your suffering. That doesn't mean I'm going to wish that I no longer have HIV or psoriasis or you're going to wish that you don't have whatever you have. Right. And then it's just going to go away. It's about helping us make space and and not be so attached. Because when – this is one thing that the Buddhists say that I see in all of her teaching is that when the ignorant worldling walks around and is struck by something, they're struck twice. Once by the actual blow and once by everything they have to process around the blow. Mm. Whereas when you're able to move unattached through the world, you're only struck once when you're struck. And then you just understand that it's temporary, as all things are, and that it will pass and that you will make it through to the next round. Wow. And that's what I think her teaching has done for me throughout this whole thing, throughout my own journey in this past year, which has just been so crazy that, like, I was prepared for her lessons by being able to read all the controversy around them before I had to actually put them to the test. And and they, they, they check out. That's why I'm into her. No matter if she's a nightmare boss to work for or not, which I suspect she is. To me, the point of that lesson, though, that she is really driving right now, and this is her cancer really going into overdrive, is you need to resolve your shit now because the world is ending and we need you awake right now. To me, that is the antithesis of wellness because wellness is like... 
buy this and you might be able to feel a little better, mm-hmm. um, which I get. Which, by the way, zaddyearth.com. Beautiful products to make you feel better. Correct. <laughs> Correct. And we are about to plug those in a minute. But I think what she's saying is like, I need you awake and I need yeah. you mobilized because like it's coming to an end very soon unless you can wake up to your highest potential. Inshallah, we all do. So I want to, you know, I think my listeners know at this point, if you follow me, I am a big fan of Tommy's brand Zaddy Earth. Thank you. And I use God that the salve. I've been just rubbing on my face every oh, day. Oh, I have a new thing for you. People have been complimenting my skin nonstop because of it. Um, I put some in another orifice recently, too. Thank you. Oh, you did have that workout. Um, lovely. For did you use it as like a lube? Situation. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> oh, because I got out my lube, my oil lube burnt a straight woman's asshole. <laughs> and listen. <laughs> then we got a review. It burnt her rear and her husband put her on blast on my Instagram. Uh, so I no longer sell lube. I rebranded Which it as we don't sexy know if massage that was oil. Like your dark magic or what? I mean, my asshole has been fine when I've used <laughs> it, but and I'm I'm very sensitive, so. Uh, but it's not lube anymore. I put it in your asshole at your own risk. But I have other products that. So I Zaddy about. Earth is. Um, it's me reclaiming capitalism for myself. I'm just doing it and keeping. You know, I make I make nice shit. Like, and it's made with love. I think that's a the lot difference. of love. Oh yes. my god, so much love. I mean, you look around my apartment. All my shit's infusing, and yes, I got oils infusing that I'm going to make lotions and balms and hair lotions and uh, hair oils and potpourri. I mean, it's 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 a dream that I get to do this and then just put a table up. Very egalitarian, you know, it everybody is. just throws their tables up in Union Square. I'm in Washington Square mostly, sometimes Tompkins Square. And which by the way, I have <laughs> I have sold with you many times. You are really like talking to the people. Yeah. Like it you are really out there, which like talking after this podcast is something that I I think is so valuable. Yeah, it's a it's I feel really lucky to be in New York right now, to be here doing this with you, to be alive. I just thank feel God. really fucking every day I wake up and I thank the goddess, the God, the whatever, you know, just do my little thank you dance when I first wake up and yeah. salute the sun and try to move through the day without alienating too many people. Used to be my intention to like provoke and poke and poke. That was yeah. like always, you know, Marianne has really helped me kind of in the last year, like put that down. Amazing. I don't need that. Um, I can give back with like my products. Where can people be following you? Just Zaddy, Zaddy Earth. Earth. Just Great. go on at Zaddy Earth. Just at Zaddy yeah. Earth. Yeah, I'm a capitalist. Buy. You can give me money. <laughs> I don't see why not. Yeah, yeah. I don't um, need personal followers. And you can also give me money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Please, please. By the way, best best thing that I've done in this past year for myself, really, I think, was getting my star chart read because I oh. refer to the report that you wrote me. Not daily, but at least once a week. Oh, I'm, I'm like so going in and checking that. to sort of weigh where I am versus, yeah, it's been it's been a really helpful guide because I don't know this the way that you know it, and I have never really invested in it the way that I have in this past year because, I mean, all bets are off. I'm willing to try everything at this point. Same because. There, like you said, I am out there, and we've been out there together. <laughs> and there are demons, yes. and we've seen them. And um, 
And I don't want to be one because I know that it's in me and it's in all of us. And I just don't want that demon to be. Um, you know, the line in, in Moonstruck where she's like, I see a wolf in every man I met and I see a wolf in you. Mm-hmm. That's me. Like, uh-huh. the, I am a werewolf. Like, the wolf That's is inside Dukakis, of me. That's Dukakis, right? No, it's like the woman at the bodega where she goes to get the flowers. Oh, yes, 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 yes. And you know what I see in you? The girl I married. Oh, come on. Is that her aunt and uncle? No, maybe it's just the people at the No, the aunt and uncle I am obsessed with. And I always, you know, my favorite line is when they're all sitting at the dinner table at the end, the breakfast table, and the aunt comes in and no one pulls up a chair for her. And everyone is dead silent. It's so tense. And she just goes... So what are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. Um, Tommy, w- there will be many more. Yeah, I'm thanks so for having me. This was really this. fun. Thanks for asking me to do Marianne. You know I love her. Thank you. All my love. The Luminaries is made with love in New York City. Art by Greg Kozatek and music by Henry Kapersky. Thank you so much for listening. I would so, so, so appreciate if you could leave a review, a five-star rating, etc., etc., on iTunes. I don't know if you can rate things on Spotify, but you get the idea. Tell your friends. You know where to find me. I will see you next Tuesday. With all my love, David Odyssey.